guest today, our passage is a little shorter today in the New Testament and the Old Testament as we're coming down to the end of the year because all year long we try to keep passages together. We we don't just divide up the Bible with a Bible reading program and this many verses a day because then you get cut in the middle of stories and you get cut in the middle of context. So, you know, we try to put things together a little better, but we do then have some short passages from time to time. Revelation 11, verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. Wow. First time. First time in scripture we see this. And the ark of his covenant was seen within the temple. Now, I want you to notice the ark of his covenant. Now, the, the discussion, is this, is this the heavenly ark? Call it the real, or is this the type or shadow? Now, I've read a lot of scholarship both directions because everything that Moses was told to make was a type and shadow of things in heaven. So how this works, I don't know. But I've also read some interesting scholarship that this is the Ark of the Covenant from the tabernacle in the wilderness and from Solomon's temple, that when that ark was taken away, God took it to heaven. And that's why no one can find it to this day. Now, you know, there's a lot of arguments on both sides, and this is not something that is going to affect our salvation either way. So, you know, there's good scholarship on both sides. You know, it wouldn't shock me that God took the ark of the covenant to heaven because his presence had rested upon it for so long. And inside were the miracles that he had shown, the, the Ten Commandments written by his finger, the, the Aaron's rod that budded, the, the pot of manna. It could be that God has kept these in heaven these last several thousand years because there's going to come a time when he wants to, to see it again, okay? So when people say, where's the ark? You know, some people say it's hidden under the temple. Some people say it's hidden in Ethiopia. Some people say it's hidden in heaven. It's not one of those things that's going to affect our salvation, but some nice thoughts either way. When we get to heaven, we'll see what's real. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Okay, now this is what, these were the effects on earth. So when the temple in heaven was opened, on earth you saw flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy, heavy hail. Now, I'm not sure if we've ever really had hail here in the Philippines. I'm not sure we've ever had that. I've seen hail. It destroys cars. You know, you can have hail the size of, of you know, pebbles, and you can have hail the size of golf balls. I've seen hail the size of golf balls. Tears up a car. Smashes windows, everything. But this is a heavy hail. Chapter 12, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head were a crown of 12 stars. This is Israel. Go all the way back to... Um, Joseph's dreams, okay? 
she was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. So Israel was pregnant. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. Go back earlier to the, the crowns that he gives to the Antichrist empire. And on his head were seven diadems. All right, so seven heads, seven diadems, ten horns. So think back to the descriptions of, of the Antichrist receiving his power and authority from this. This is Satan. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. All right, so one third stars are angels. One-third of the angels and cast them to the earth. So one-third of all angels. And where were demons cast down to? Demons were cast down to earth. Satan is the god of this world. Okay, remember those things. His kingdom is this world. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Now look at the last part of verse four. She gave birth to her child that he, Satan, might devour it. This is, let's just stick with Messiah. This is Jesus. And this is at birth. Satan wanted to destroy Messiah at his birth. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. All right. So Jesus is in heaven now. This is after his ascension. Now, and the woman, this is Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, in that she was to be nourished for 1,260 days. All right, this is the last one half of the tribulation. This place is actually the land of Ammon. Okay, now, this helps you understand the book of Matthew, the, the teachings of Jesus on the, the his, his on the tribulation that's shown in Matthew. Jesus is trying to warn. And when you start reading those words of Jesus, he's trying to warn the Jewish people of, he said, now listen, don't even go down. Don't go down and get your belongings. And woe to a woman who's pregnant in that day. You need to flee to the hills. When, when that Antichrist sets up his, his image in the temple, in the rebuilt temple, Israel is to flee for the last for the second half of tribulation. Now, there will be some that remain, but those who follow Jesus, those who follow the word, those who have listened to the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, those who have listened to the two witnesses, they will run and flee into the wilderness and God will protect them for 1260 days because if he did not, the antichrist would kill every Jew that was still on earth in that day. Now, now, brothers and sisters, let me just, we have lots of time today because we have a shorter passage. You, you have to understand the, the concept of anti-Semitism, anti-Jew is very prevalent 
even in the world today and always has been. I mean, please, you think back even in recent history in the 1300s where, where Spain drove the Jews out of Spain and many Jews came to live in the Philippines. You are Honestly, a lot of our people have Jewish descent, came from like the 1340s, 1350s, and 60s from that persecution of the Jews in Spain. So all throughout Israel's history, during its dispersion throughout the world, they have been persecuted. The Romans did it. I mean, the Spanish did it. The Germans maybe took it to a new level where they decided to exterminate every Jew. They, they, they had their Nazi concentration death camps, and they determined to exterminate every Jew. Now, if you ever want to wonder why the Jews are determined to have their own homeland and protect themselves, it's because throughout history, the persecution that has come against them. Let me encourage you. In this world that we live in today, anti-Semitism, anti-Jew is, is growing again. Let us remember, theirs are the covenants. Theirs are the promises. From them, our Messiah came. Let there never be anything but love and desire for their salvation. Let, let us have the heart of the Apostle Paul that we've taught you from the book of Romans. Let's have that desire toward the Jewish people. Now, the second half of the tribulation is going to be one of the hardest times for the Jewish people in their entire history. But it ends with Jesus returning. All right, let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. Start, you held a place in my heart, a place where no one else could feel. But sin kept your spirit from working in me. I couldn't look at life honestly. Until the day my will gave away to the truth that I found in you. I never knew just how good it could be to stand in your presence totally free. I'm forgiven. A reason for living. Jesus keeps giving and giving. Give it till my heart overflows. I'm forgiven. Now I have a reason for living. Jesus keeps giving and giving. Give it till my heart overflows. Now I can speak as a person is free. Even when I slip and fall For He is a God and forgives and forgets Now I want to give Him my all I'm forgiven Now I have a reason for living Jesus keeps giving and giving Give it till my heart overflows I'm forgiven Now I have a reason for living
Testament passage today picks up in the book of Micah, chapter 2, verse 12. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant. Now, remnant is a big word, and you always need to be watching for it. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. <laughs> He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. The king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. I like that. This is, this is the future. Okay, I like that. God always gathers his remnant together. And notice a noisy multitude of men. <laughs> God likes noise. I was sitting down with some people one day and they were Koreans and they eat more quietly than we do to say that. I'll say it that way. And they were a little upset because there was a group of us, Binoy, eating in this restaurant and we were having a party. I mean, we were eating things we don't normally eat and, you know, in a little spicy baby octopus and, you know, the whole thing, you'd stick it in your mouth and, you know, covered in chili paste, and we were eating things we don't normally eat and just having a party doing it. And these people were getting a little upset, and one of them talked with me afterwards because he recognized me. And I said, you know, you just have to understand. I said, we're happy people. And I said, have you ever noticed the noise that our people make is a happy noise? Yeah. I said, no. Would you rather make happy noise or would you rather be angry noise? Happy noise. I said, that's us. We're the people of happy noise. God likes happy noise. Just think about that a little bit. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I said, hear, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? No, look at that. Is it not for you to know? So he's talking to the heads. He's talking to the rulers. He said, now, is it not for you to know justice? You who hate the good, love the evil, who tear the skin off my people and their flesh off their bones? Wow. Who eat the flesh of my people, flay the skin off of them, break their bones in pieces, chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Wow. This is how bad leaders act. This is how bad leaders act. They hate good. They love evil. They tear the, they take everything from the people. I mean, chop them up like meat in a pot. See, they exploit. They exploit. He said, now that, that's not good leadership. Good leaders, no justice. 
Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Now notice, these leaders cry. These leaders, they cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Notice, there's a big because. They have made. They have made. Now see, folks, you choose. You choose. You choose your deeds. You choose your own actions. From the time Shasha was little, she heard people say, I didn't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I didn't have a choice. And we always taught Shasha, no, don't ever say that. You always have a choice. They made their deeds evil. Nobody else made that happen. They made that choice themselves. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing in their mouths. <laughs> now, you just got to laugh at that, okay? So the prophecy determined by the prophet. And now I don't use prophet as a human prophet. I prophet as a P-R-O-F-I-T. The prophecy is determined by the prophet. When you give them food, you make them prosper, they say nice things. But notice, when you don't give them what they want, they declare war. I've met preachers like that. They declare war when you don't give them what they want. <laughs> you just, sometimes you got to look at this stuff and go, the world has never changed in all these thousands of years. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. They can't speak because God never gave an answer. But as for me, now Micah says, as for me, this is Micah. As for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of God, with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel their sins. Wow. This is a true prophet. Filled with power, filled with the Spirit, filled with justice, and filled with might. Filled with four things. And then the purpose to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel their sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. Wow. Now notice this, make crooked all that is straight. You know, we, we, live, we live in a world where people call right wrong and wrong right. They make crooked all that is straight. So you, you take a right principle. Don't you just love a pen that erases you? Go. You take a right principle and you make it crooked. He said, look at these guys. Who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. In other words, they grow they build by sin. They don't grow and build in righteousness. 
they grow and build by sin. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, <laughs> yet they lean on the Lord and say, it's not the Lord in our midst. No disaster shall come upon us. Uh, that's a big while. But again, the world has not changed. Now notice, preach, priests who teach for a price, prophets who practice divination for money. They, they do what they do for money. You know, I, I was talking with a man recently and he had been to a church. And in this church, you give a $10 donation and you're led into a room and you walk up to a table and a person gives you your prophecy for the day after you give your $10 donation. And they said, Pastor, what do you think about that? And I said, I did. <laughs> I said, you don't even want to ask me a question like that. You know the answer already. You know, please, we don't teach for a price. We don't teach for a price. Many years ago, like 40 years ago, when I first became your pastor, there were wealthy families in the city that wanted this new young preacher in town. And they wanted me to come to their homes and be like a little family priest. And every time I would go, they would say, we'll give you this money. I said, no, I don't want, I don't want any money. I said, I'm not here for money. I'm here to teach the Bible. And people could never understand that. Why I wouldn't accept money for hospital visitation. Why we would not accept money for visitation. Why we would not accept money to do a wedding for people. Why we would never allow that. We don't teach for a price. And, and we don't, please, we don't prophesy for a price. The world hasn't changed. Therefore, because of you, because of who? Because of the priests and the prophets. Zion will be plowed as a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. Now, brothers and sisters, please. A nation's problems are caused by the preachers. Bottom line, yes, I know we have governmental leaders and stuff, but a nation's problems are caused by the preachers. We're not doing our jobs. We're not standing up preaching righteousness. We're not standing up saying right and wrong. We've allowed other people to, to call evil good and good evil, and we're not standing up challenging any of that. You know, pastors today don't want to stand up and take a stand against abortion. They don't want to take a stand against drunkenness. They don't want to take a stand against divorce. Divorce is like covering a person with violence, Malachi says. They don't want to take a stand on anything anymore. They just, they just want to say, um, how did it put it? Um, Peace, if you give me something to eat, it's wonderful. It's okay. You can get drunk. You can have a number two as long as you, you give me money. Verse 5. Hmm. Chapter 4, verse 1. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted above all the hills, and the people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come. Let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is, this is the millennial kingdom 
MK, Millennial Kingdom. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. War is something you have to teach people how to fight. This is all the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign, MR for millennial reign. But they shall sit every man under his vine and every man under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. (laughs) Can you imagine what the millennium is going to be like? The entire world is going to go to Jerusalem. The world will be ruled from Jerusalem. Now, I want you to notice The mountain of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. Now, how is that going to take place? I don't know. Some people say that with all the earthquakes and things that that will be happening during the tribulation period, I don't know. But what I do know is the law will come forth from Jerusalem. The entire world will be ruled from Jerusalem. He, Jesus, shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations afar off. And you know what? There's not going to be any more tanks or airplanes of war or missiles or nuclear arms. All of that will be turned into productive things. Plowshares, pruning hooks. (laughs) No one will study war anymore. And I like this one. No one shall make them afraid. In the millennium, there will be no more fear. I mean, can you imagine that? And notice the phrase, no one. So there'll be no more bullies in the millennium. There'll be no more predators in the millennium. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts is spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God. But we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord. In that day, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame, I will make the remnant and those who are cast off, a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from from this time forth and forevermore. Forevermore. His rule and reign will go now through eternity. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come. The former dominion shall come. The kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Okay, this is the tower of Midgal. This is the Christmas prophecy. People say, how do you know where Jesus was born? And you, O tower of Midgal, tower of the flock, Hill of the daughter of Jerusalem, of the daughter of Zion. The former dominion shall come, the kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished that pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. Okay, this is the prophecy that they're going into Babylon, the captivity. There you shall be rescued. 
There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Now many nations are assembled against you, saying, Let her be defiled, and let our gaze be upon Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. (laughs) I like that. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them as sheaves to a threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron and make your hoofs bronze, and you shall beat in pieces many peoples and shall devote their gain to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. Lots of prophecies from different seasons all mixed in here. But I just want you to look at the millennial reign. And then I want you to focus on the Tower of Midgal. That's where Jesus was born. Tower of Midgal was a very famous place. Historians place it, and it's all written through in history, just partway between the the, uh, tomb of Sarah and toward, toward Bethlehem in the fields. It was the tower of the flock. It was the tower of the shepherds. It's, it's where the Levites raised the Passover lambs to be sacrificed in the temple. This is where the first Passover lamb was born. This is why the swaddling clothes are so important. Other lambs, they were just born out in the, out in the fields and they came out and fell on the ground and then learned how to walk in a little bit. They had nicks and scrapes on their legs from coming out of their mother's womb and falling on the ground and then thrashing around on the rocks trying to stand up. But these special Passover lambs, there could be no blemish on them. As they came out of the womb of their mother, they were caught, wrapped in a swaddling clothes so that there would never be any nick or cut or scrape upon them. So when the Bible speaks about wrapped in swaddling clothes, The ancient Jews understood that. They understood the Tower of Midgal. This is why the the leaders in the time of Herod, when he wanted to know where the Messiah would be born, they said, in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem. How did the shepherds know where to go? Because of Micah's prophecy. Brothers and sisters, beautiful, beautiful truth in Scripture. God's word is true. It always has been, and it always will be. We see the fulfillment of the historical